2XX 98.3. Your support is important to us. So become part of your community station. By subscribing, donating or volunteering. So visit us at 2XXFM.org.au. Okay. Oh, good morning, listeners. <laughs> I, I nearly didn't uh, realise that that was my colleague Dave's Surprise. voice. Yeah, yeah. We did a whole lot of um, promos, promos yeah, yeah. Uh, quite a while ago. And, um, yeah, it sounds good. Came, yeah. came through well. Anyway, um, welcome, listeners, both uh, old and new and um, in between. Awake and asleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Welcome to this week's episode of News from the Drug War Front. My name is Jeff, and my co-presenter, is, uh, ever, as usual, is uh, Marion. Good it morning. Hi, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Jeffrey. Good morning, my darlings. It's beautiful outside. Nice I don't want you to go out unless you can take the radio with you. But listen to the wireless on News from the Drug War Front, brought to you by Karma and the Connection. Indeed. Uh, Karma is the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy in the Connection is the First Nations uh, People's Program for peers, uh, peer drug users who work together with their community to make sure that the best thing outcomes possible can be had from the use of illicit drugs, although we don't encourage the use. We just want to make sure people don't die because of it. No, and um, they deserve the same support in terms of um, treatment and, you know... And care. ...support and care and advocacy right. as any other um, client. Um, I was just going to mention something that I heard this morning, Marion. Um, it's sort of uh, current affairs-ish um, about the housing crisis in um, Australia. And it, one figure that shocked me was it said 10% of people with current mortgages are paying 70% of their household income to make the monthly payment on, on their, their mortgage. mortgage yeah. And 40% are in what they call um, mortgage well, stress. That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, you know, everyone always said, oh, what happened in America could never happen in Australia. Well, sorry, <laughs> it's, it's actually more likely to happen here. As we just said off air, um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt in the New Deal actually set up special um, institutions that um, meant that banks could give 30-year mortgages at a fixed At a fixed interest, interest rate. rate, yes. Which I didn't know. No, it's, well, I didn't know either. It was actually news to me. So it was just, and I mean, here I am at 70 and still not really quite understanding the, the mortgage crisis in Australia. And largely it's because... The basics of the mortgage crisis uh, lie in the fixed interest rates or the lack of fixed interest rates. So they, in Australia, they've got, what, five years of fixed interest? Maximum and from five, then on, five years fixed. Boom, the yeah. interest rates go up. Well, we've had 12 increases in a bit over a year. Yes. And uh, quite frankly, I find the chairman of the Reserve um, Bank a pretty callous fellow, the way oh, he look. speaks. I don't think he's ever rubbed shoulders with people, Real people. struggling yeah, struggling yeah. to pay off a, a mortgage and really worried about it. It sounds like it. So he hasn't got children or grandchildren or he's never talked to them about their interest rates. Or maybe he's advised them on how to get a fixed interest rate. Well, but if you shouldn't need to be an economist to know how to manage your mortgage. It should not be that dramatic. And there are other ways to um, tackle inflation without bringing out the big hammer 
and just going for interest rate increase. Uh, look, uh, absolutely. Again Jeffrey. and again and again. Yeah. I mean, that's going to drive the economy into when, recession. When in doubt, rely on the Reserve Bank to do you, you know, introduce your weaponry for you, weaponising interest rates. Because they're independent, bit, quote unquote. And of course, we had the Robo Debt Royal Commission report, which was. Um, no surprise how horrendous the whole thing was. And was With a sealed section. That sounds like Cleo, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> remember, remember when, um, um, Cleo. Who was that actor, the first one that appeared? Jack Thompson. Yes, the first, yes, yes. The, was the first one from the sealed, sealed section, section in the Cle- middle of Cleo. Yeah. yeah. Which it? was got running along the same thing as Playboy, theme as Playboy, yeah, having That's a sealed true. section in the middle. It was, it was a um, hoot, yeah. He's a great, a great actor and a real national treasure. Um, Absolutely, Jack Thompson playing Jack Thompson. <laughs> and also, I just was having a quick look through Netflix about how many programs they have related to drugs, and oh, oh my yeah. god, there are so many, Marion. <laughs> you know, um, Is this from any particular network, or just like the Netflix network itself? Well, I have categories. Yeah, I, I just yeah under search. Put drugs. Put and drugs and up this came all. Huge list, like you know, <laughs> how to sell drugs, um, particularly drugs, narco states. It's um, amazing how much money there is to be made just in talking about drugs, yeah? Absolutely. It's crazy. Well, um, there's a tourism um, trade in. A whole industry. Uh, pa- yeah. Pablo Escobar, and, you know, he's. Very that, it does, does that surprise you, Jeff? No. Yeah, really. I mean, Let's be honest and then be cynical because that's what we do <laughs> when we're talking about the war, on, so-called war on drug users. It's just crazy when you think about what people can make tourist attractions out of. Yeah. And, you know, this is where Pablo Escobar lived and this is, yeah. you know. Yeah, and here's where he escaped from. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is where the he tunnel. touch ground. This was his toilet. Yeah. Right? It's just crazy. Yeah. I was just blown away. You could spend several days, if not weeks, just watching programs about <laughs> drugs. Um, anyway, okay, uh, as Marion said, News from the Drug War Front is brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy. And The Connection, which um, is co-located and provides services for First Nations uh, people. Karma is a peer-based community-controlled drug use organisation with over two decades serving the ACT. Um, The show, we try and report on uh, relevant stories and also just the damage done by global prohibition and um, try and hopefully get people thinking about do we really want and to just talking about yeah the the legal status of drugs? We've been doing this for years and years. I mean, ever since there was an introduction of the um, so-called war on drugs, which was a war on drug users, we have there has been a movement in opposition to that decision or to that policy and to the laws related to that. But the fear and the propaganda associated with the war on drugs has just been so detrimental. And if you have a look at the deaths in the United States and Canada, like the whole North American continent really related to illicit drugs. Not to their consumption, but just to the availability of them. And then the introduction of something like fentanyl Mm. Just when we come down to the... It's really probably 50 times stronger. But I, from the beginning, Jeffrey, we've been trying to get 
a, a correct figure on how much stronger than heroin it is, maybe now we're up to 50 times stronger, yeah? So well, the facts on drugs are really difficult to get because we're relying on sources that are running on propaganda, the drug war propaganda. Well, one of the things we can celebrate is Canberra is the first um, ever in Australia. Drug checking, Facility. Yes. Yep. Okay, it's only six hours a week, but it's a great start. It and is. it is accumulating a database of actual irrefutable evidence. That's of right, which the, is what governments have been asking for and then ignoring is yeah. actually the facts. Evidence-based policy. Evidence-based policy. And then we get some evidence, but we just don't get the policy to go along with the evidence, which is a real pros- problem. Why have the evidence if we're not going to use it as a foundation for policy development? Interesting question. Of course, we've got the um, decriminalisation law reform that was passed coming into effect in October. Yep. 28th of October, ACT drug laws will come into effect. Maximum penalties for possessing small amounts of some illicit uh, drugs for personal use will be reduced um, in line with the harm minimisation approach. And that's a significant um, shift and karma had a role in um, the process. And, you know, we probably argued for larger amounts and, you know, of well, that would that you would expect there'd be some negotiation, of course, yes, in terms of what, what's a legitimate amount for personal use. How much is per, for personal? Can you consider to be for personal use, and then how much would then be for marketable quantity or yeah, yeah, for sale? I'd really like to see the drug driving laws rescinded. I remember oh, when yes. you know, we were the last jurisdiction to actually implement drug driving laws, and I remember. Um, Social researcher David McDonald just going to town on the guy from Victoria who came up to boast about how he started the the testing program and it was yeah. so successful. And but it hasn't done anything to reduce no. the road toll. It's no. just been another tool in the prohibition, weaponising yeah. drugs and drug use. Yeah. A lot of people have lost their licences <laughs> you know, in the process. Yeah. yeah, and in fact, there was gee, there was some data, or there was some discussions had about to what extent um, drug road deaths, the road, de- road toll. death toll from yeah. drug use, how much more um, devastating that was than any other kind of um, death rate from any other sector There've of the community. There have been some terrible accidents yeah. recently, haven't there? So it's, but yeah. it's more about reality, rather than just pulling people over at random, you know, actually having public discussions, having education sessions, having understanding of what drugs and alcohol do to your motor skills and how well you're able to drive a car. So thinking about not getting legless and then going to drive your car just makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, or just... Don't. But the good thing about having input into the discussion policy. about potential change is the policymakers are hearing from peers That's and right. getting a perspective they otherwise wouldn't most likely get. Um, even even though she said cynically that sometimes it's about nothing to see over here. Look, over <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Do I just quickly summarise some of Karma's? Karma does. Uh, I certainly yeah. do. Karma provides a wide range of services such as advocacy, peer treatment, support, peer education, creative arts, mentoring and, of course, referrals. 
to other organisations if karma can't uh, provide you with what it is you're seeking, the kind of help you're seeking, then as a peer-based organisation, we can refer you to other agencies or advocate on your behalf with other social service providers in Canberra community so that your drug use is either not a factor or not uh, the defining factor on whether your service is, pro- a service is provided to you or not. Discrimination and stigma are great problems for drug users. Always have been. And karma's always been very, um, uh, very pr- promoted drug users' um, human rights as a matter of fundamental principle karma stands for drug users and their rights at the philosophical basis beyond which I think karma can't, wouldn't and wouldn't want to extract itself. Well, on that point, Marion, I have always been disappointed with Amnesty International's reluctance to take on this issue. I mean, I remember some time ago, Avil and Amnesty did a um, candlelight vigil for the the two so-called ringleaders of the Bali Nine who got shot in... Um, in Indonesia. In Indonesia, yeah. And it was a very moving event. And to me, it should be a high rank. Yes, on their agenda, absolutely. You know, like, I don't understand it either, Jeffrey. It doesn't make sense to me when it's a. Um, I think what happens, and this is just off the back of my, top of my head, is that because of the propaganda that the word drugs is associated with it, it. particularly illicit drugs, it becomes, yeah, it's not something that people want to go near, they don't want to associate themselves with because it makes them sound as if they are committed to illicit drug use. So you put that together with, you know, the propaganda with the wording and the phrase or the phraseology and what have you got? You've got people who are already in a discriminatory or stigmatised frame of mind. It's a shame because they're, they're a respected organisation. They've it done a lot a of great work um, for political And prisoners. although they have come out against, in places, Duterte, for instance, True. something that is monu- so obviously yeah. wrong that they have no choice but yeah. from a human rights perspective, they like must say something. Business. But it's not no. the same thing as having a standard position on it. Yeah. Karma, by the way, is at... Uh, Karma and the Connection are co-located at the Belcon and Churches Centre, Shop 17, Level 1, 54 Benjamin Way. The drop-in is open uh, from 10 to 4pm Monday to Friday and the office phone number is 62533643. Karma's got plenty of services that can provide with you in particular and most recently... um, Support and information about opioid maintenance treatment like with methadone, suboxone and buprenorphine, an injectable that would around which the uh, laws have changed recently in the provision and the uh, not so much in the, their availability, just in how they are provided and how much it costs you to get them. There is not the level of confusion that is apparent if you it read the Sydney Morning Herald. It yeah. is quite straightforward. Yeah. When your old script runs out, get a new one. Yep. Yeah. And standard. it's now a PBS standard 
any $7. other prescribed medication. A month. If you're on if a healthcare you're on a card. Healthcare and concession card. Absolutely. Thirty seven is it if you if you don't have a card or but I, whatever. I can't be sure yeah. what the prices are, but it, let it just understand that it is not as expensive as it used to be. And there is a standard price. It is also contributes towards your your pharmaceutical uh, your Safe, pharmaceutical um, benefits safety, safety net. net yeah. So if you get up to whatever, it, and you should know your safety net level yeah. if you're on a pension card, um, it will contribute to that. So you don't have to go over a certain a amount. long overdue reform. Absolutely, over twenty years. Thank heavens for uh, that. Natasha asked me to um, just mention that uh, there's a. Uh, every Friday at Karma's office from one thirty till 3.30, there's uh, an art project. Now, essentially, it's um, up to your creativity. Mm-hmm. You get provided with the canvas and the paints and supplies that you need. And you oh, can... Natasha's a great art oh, it's... worker too. She just, I mean, I just went in there for a couple of courses and, of course, I got stuck on one particular subject, but... Natasha's a great uh, I got into educator. it too. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I remember it. you did yeah. too, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, Louise also said that the, um, uh, you know, pinprick test for seeing if people have got hep C, C yeah. we, we can do it Monday to Friday oh, at Karma. Oh, that's fabulous. We have, have the equipment. i that. That's great. And... Um, uh, I think Louise, Dean, and a couple of other staff um, trained and you know, are able ready. to do it. That's yeah. fabulous because I had huge problems with having uh, just getting a vein oh for my blood God. Remember how awful. checking. Yeah. yeah, so pinprick blood tests for hepatitis C just sounds like heaven for me. Absolutely. Means that I could just go in and get it checked up. Every few months to see what's happening. Yeah, it's a wonderful idea. A lot's happening. So, um, yeah, uh, ring or drop into karma. Um, I'll just do the disclaimer quickly, then play a song, yeah. and we hope to see our guest uh, after 11. Um, news from the Drug War Front reports on news stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the, around the world. Many of the articles featured uh, come from um, other sources, including the mainstream media. So bear that in mind and we'll let you know which ones are. Mm. The the contents of uh, this broadcast podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Karma and the Connection. Karma does not condone, but nor does it condemn drug use and we do not promote illegal activity. However, we recognise drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws and United United Nations conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development and seeks to reduce the harms associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic health care. Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people. Mm. And the song, this is one we've played this before, maybe not for a long time, it's Queens of the Stone. Age and it's feel good hit of the summer. No, have a
All right, that was Queens of the Stone Age and uh, Feel Good Hit of the Summer. Okay, it's about six minutes to 11. You're listening to News from the Dog War Front. Our special guest has um, made it in, so we'll be talking to her after the 11 o'clock news. I just want to mention uh, the dates for the barbecues next week. Wednesdays, um, Oaks Estate is uh, 11... I think it's 11.30 till 2. Yep. Um, uh, Thursdays fortnightly, Ainsley Village um, have uh, a, a barbecue because they actually have an inbuilt barbecue which works pretty well from noon. Um, that's every second uh, Thursday. And on Fridays, there's a regular barbecue um, next to the Pat Van in Veterans Park from 11 till 2 o'clock. So that's three barbecues, we, which we're sort of averaging about three three a week, which well, isn't good. Yeah. I, Marin, I noticed this story, which I, when I read it, I just thought, oh, dodgy, where it said um, details about Madonna's shock hospitalisation <laughs> reveal that she was receive, receiving, revived using naloxone. Well, she was given naloxone and it's, <laughs> the story's just crazy. It seems like it was pulled out of somebody's, the back of their head. Or out of their ear. <laughs> New details about Madonna's shock hospitalisation reveal Singer was revived using Narcane. Now, apparently there are two reasons for using Narcane. One is for acute opioid overdose, like unto death type thing. They've stopped breathing. The other, sepsis, which acute septic shock. Um, and really? So they're saying that apparently Madonna was indeed given injection of the drug to combat acute septic shock before she was rushed to hospital. Sepsis, it goes on to say, is a life-threatening condition which occurs when chemicals released into the bloodstream to fight an infection trigger inflammation throughout the body. So this is just for people who don't know why you might give someone Narcan, but why on earth why would you just come out and say... Why not just say she had it, she yeah. dropped yeah, hadn't I, used for a long time and she dropped. Or Nobody I had some ever expected painkillers because I was feeling bad before a gig and <laughs> absolutely not feeling good. Somebody gave me a pill and oops, it was an opioid. The media site um, had dodgy <laughs> written all over it, so I uh, look at we're just talking about you know the the paranoia that words have. Yeah, association with illicit drug use is a real problem. Not yeah. working? Oh, you just get a little Sorry, bit Sorry, getting fainter. Yeah, That's unusual for me. Was... It just seems crazy that because of that stigma of illicit drugs and the fact that they put those two words together, because we've been talking about narcone and its value in reversing opioid overdose ever since it came out. Yeah. and. Now it's and saying that's all it does is revert. Well, apparently it does more than that. Yeah, it well, um, re- reverses acute septic shock. I'd want to investigate the, the veracity of that before uh, I. But, and why would you? Why would you bother though? I mean, it's like introducing a little bit of confusion when. Who cares? Yeah, I might yeah check, sorry, Madonna, who cares? Check up with um, the naloxone king, Dave, and Absolutely. find out and so, if he yeah, knows those, anything. See if he knows anything about acute septic shock. Yeah. But, um, yeah, look, it's, it's a shame that if she did have an opiate overdose that she didn't feel comfortable to actually just say, look, you know, this is what happened, I'm okay. Yeah. Um, it's an well, antidote. Well, it would, would, I would have hoped 
that at her age. Look, I remember being told about septic shock and that was from leaving tampons in for too long. That's right. right? That to- was toxic I, shock. Yeah. Toxic shock syndrome came from blood poisoning, yeah. right? And septic shock would sounds like much the same thing, yeah? yeah. Septic sepsis is just in, infection. Doesn't sound like really, an opiate overdose. Blood infection. And the, but trying to... Uh, Say nothing to see over here. Same sort of thing that I, as I was talking about earlier on, it's nothing to see here. Look over here. You know, it's about distracting people from reality. Yeah, and it's all about the propaganda associated with the bloody drug war and the amount of misinformation that a lot of the mainstream media thrive on to sell well, and papers per- and perfectly happy to introduce into people's mind for no apparent reason whatsoever. Yeah. You know, no. just crazy. And the more people behave like that with that paranoid response to illicit drug use and illicit uh, and to overdose as a result of that drug use, crazy. Yep. So just a waste of effort and waste of time. All right. We're not far away news? from the um, National Community Radio News, uh, mm. which normally runs for about four minutes, and then we'll have Sarah. Um, From the Hep C Council? What, what, what's your title? Executive Director? Yeah, C- that's the yeah one. Executive Director of wow. Hepatitis ACT. And, and <laughs> you came on as a guest shortly after you started mm-hmm. there, as I recall. A whole year ago? Yeah. And wow. I, I recall hoping that you weren't microphone shy and you, <laughs> and that you'd you were come far back from again. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's nice to have you back. All right, we'll uh, go to the news and be back in roughly uh, four minutes. Okay. Okay, we have um, our special guest, Sarah, the um, Executive Director of Hepatitis ACT. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Jeff. Good to be here. We, we had you on just after you started, didn't, didn't we, about a year ago? A year ago, yes. Yeah. I was very new, very nervous, still nervous, but yeah, it's been a year and it feels like it's gone by so quickly. What's your general sense of, say, the Hep C progress because the government's ambition is elimination by 2030. Yes, so we've signed on to uh, the World Health Organization's aims of eliminating hepatitis B and hepatitis C by 2030. Um, We'll we'll get there if we have um, a lot more resourcing in terms of manpower and money. But the point of care testing and the new direct acting antivirals are definitely a game changer. Look, when they first came in, I remember um, back then when they came in, we used to do a, a sort of monthly session out at Building 7. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to people and trying to promote the new treatments mm-hmm. and being met with absolute suspicion. No, no, no. I remember the liver biopsy and the interferon side effects and it can't be as good as you're saying. I just, you know, you're pulling my leg, you know. It was very difficult to overcome Um the, the past bad experiences that people had had with the original treatments, which for some people I couldn't even finish the interferon treatment. No, no. I've heard um, – I wasn't in the sector back then, but I've heard some really awful stories of people who have been on interferon. And you're very correct. People still don't believe that the new DAAs are as good as we say they are at treating hepatitis C, but I have also seen firsthand people who have been on the DAAs and completed a quick – eight-week course, and I think the one major, or, well, it's a minor side effect, was someone felt nauseated. That's it. It's not too bad, is it? It's not too bad at all, but this is something that we are finding is that a lot of people still don't know about the DAAs. It's... um, 
No, it was it, surprising. They came in in 2012? 2016. Or 2016. Um, yeah. So they're fairly new still in terms of medication, but I'll, I'm talking about nurses who work in the medical field. Um, we still, people, people still go, oh, yeah, the interferon's bad. I'm like, oh, well, but we don't do interferon. Nurses. Anymore. Yeah, I was actually amazed. Um, to be fair to this nurse, they were not in the SDI-BBV subsector or they didn't work in AOD, but I was still like, how do you not know? Look, I hadn't heard about it. Yeah, all. so this is why hepatitis ACT is trying really hard to get that message out to everyone, not just nurses, but anyone, to go, if you suspect you have hepatitis C and you're worried that you're going to have to go on to interferon, don't worry because the DAs are amazing. It's a revolution breakthrough. It it is. And the more we talk about it, the more there is so much confusion and fear around hepatitis B and hepatitis C. Um, We're just trying to try and eliminate that first so that we can then get to eliminating hepatitis B and hepatitis C because as soon as you say hepatitis, people go, oh, awful, horrible death sentence. And it's like, oh, actually, no, it's okay. Well, Marion has um, taken delight in um, saying on a couple of occasions that if you do use the direct-acting antivirals and you haven't got severe liver damage already, Mm -hmm. you can actually um, be uh, eligible for your liver to be um, used as a transplant if you die, which is... Yes, well, I I also did the same when I first heard that because I got I went oh my goodness this is so this is such revolutionary work that has happened. Yeah. But in saying that, there is still a lot more that can happen, especially when it comes to hepatitis B. We still don't have a cure for hepatitis B. So, so there's vaccination, but not. Yes, so there are vaccines for hepatitis B, but there is no cure. There are medications that can help you manage the condition, but you, as of right now, you will always have hepatitis B if your body hasn't already cleared it on oh, its okay. own. Does it lead to serious consequences later? or Hepatitis B, just like hepatitis C, affects your liver, right? So right. you could have cirrhosis and scarring and... It could lead to liver cancer, which is one of the uh, fastest growing cancers or causes of liver cancer death related. Not a nice way to go. Not a nice way to go. But there is medication. It can definitely be managed. And we are hopeful that one day we will have a cure for hepatitis B as well. Yeah. People are working on it. it, It's not impossible. It is not impossible. Who would have thought that we would have uh, pills for hepatitis C, right? It's incredible. I I just felt sad for um, a couple of um, friends and colleagues who passed away with liver cancer or serious cirrhosis just before the new medications came online, including um, uh, a woman called Jenny Kelsall, who was the manager of Harm Reduction Victoria, and she was spending so much time helping um, clients and peers, you know, get on the new treatments. She sort of neglected her own situation and, um, yeah, it was it was really sad, you know. I think that is the case for a lot of people who work in this sector. Though. We are always so busy looking after everyone that sometimes you need to take a break and look after yourself. Oh, it's a high stress. It, it yeah. is a high stress work and it's often very neglected, um, I found. 
because I'm new to this, fairly new to this sector still, I think I can still look at it from an outsider's perspective. And I have found that people who work in the AOD sector or in the STIBBV or harm reduction sector are often overlooked. Um, their contributions to public health is actually very often overlooked. Um, now that I'm, I've been here for about 15 months, I, it, it's really sinking in where I'm going, oh, you have no idea how hard this sector and collaboratively, it's not like, oh, the harm reduction sector will not work with STIBBVs or AOD. Everyone works so closely together. Good. Um, but very underappreciated. I think word of mouth is a big um, yes. factor, isn't it? When yeah. people have been cured in eight weeks, taking one pill a day, and yeah. they can say to someone, look, mate, no, I've done it. it, it yeah, I'm cured. Absolutely. But. Um, it, it, it all comes through because of amazing collaboration between organisations like yep. Hepatitis ACT and we have an amazing collaboration with Karma. Um, so Hepatitis ACT and Karma, we do the tests, the point of care tests for Hepatitis C, but then you have doctors from Directions and Interchange Health Co-op who then take over the scripting and the treatment. And then you have peer workers from Hepatitis ACT and Karma who then come back in and support these people through the treatment process and you check in with them and you provide that continuous education, it is a collaborative effort and we need to but celebrate so that. Putting out for people that you don't you don't take notice of your own health care, your yeah. own well being. Yeah. Um, and that's very draining. Yeah. Because you need input, you know, well being input if you like. Absolutely. To, uh, workers can't put out if they've got nothing inside to put no. Out. <laughs> They've yeah. got to be full up with their own well-being. I've, go back to that word, I suppose. Well-being is mm -hmm. the best way to describe it. If you're not looking after yourself, you can't look after anybody else. 100% agreed. Um, that is why we rely a lot on, on our community of workers where it's, it's, it's almost like a support group where mm. I have called well, people Well, it's isolating, before. isn't it, It Sarah? is. It's a... It's a it's an area that is very isolating for workers in the sector because the understanding of harm reduction, mm -hmm. drug use, it, and again, I go back to the propaganda that comes with the words, because you work in with illicit drug users as well as illicit drug users. I mean, the, all sorts of reasons why anybody might have a tr contracted hepatitis C, but while you busy working in an area that is so stigmatised and discriminated against. As a worker in that area, it's very hard to say, this is where I work. The only people that are going to know about it are your peers. They're mm -hmm. the ones that will understand what you're putting out. Absolutely. It's so funny you say that, um, that thing about anybody could get hepatitis or whatever reason. And I was actually having a conversation with someone today earlier where we were saying it was just sheer dumb luck that we didn't end up with hepatitis C or hepatitis B because it's yep. not injecting drug use. That it, There are so many other ways where you could get hepatitis yep. B or hepatitis C. So why is, why is there so much stigma around these things? I could have been born to a mother who had hepatitis B. It was sheer yep. dumb luck yep. that my mother didn't have hepatitis B or... We've all had tattoos where we shouldn't have, yep. <laughs> like, probably yeah. not the best practices. Yep. Just sheer dumb luck that yep. the tattoo artist, you know, used sterile equipment. Well, it talking of sheer dumb time, luck, yeah. a lot of injectors avoiding HIV was, in that a lot of ways, dumb luck. But, uh, but it was early intervention, too. Yes. 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 It was about being able to talk about things openly about... Mm -hmm. 
transmission in particular because at the beginning of HIV, it was men who have sex with men, it was injecting drug use, it was sex workers. Or, you know, there were a range of stigmatised groups that connected HIV with transmission. And then the pity was about the broader community. It wasn't about the target populations at all, mm -hmm. which was why the peer education became so important, it was actually about making sure that peers could talk to each other about it. And that's hard enough as it is because you're a peer and a worker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it makes you doubly stigmatised, if you like, because you work in the area and you're a peer in the area. So what's your label? Yeah, who d who do you belong to? Are you a network of service providers or peer educators, or are you a user? Are you a consumer? Are you, or are you the broader community? Yeah, you don't get counted as the broader community. No, I'm sorry, I'm probably confusing this. <laughs> the listeners out there, no end, but it's <laughs> it is a very difficult area to work in and to acknowledge. Yeah, well, do you find the anything related? to do with illicit drugs illicit is difficult. Drugs. Did you yes. see the dramatisation recently about the HIV epidemic and Neil Blewett and his advisor, you know, yes. getting affected groups in and yes. um, Julie Bates was um, in the program? And, mm -hmm. yeah, an informer on the... I'm um, informer, sorry. An, <laughs> an advisor? An advisor, that's the word <laughs> I was looking for. I got an informer that's... Who's in with... <laughs> She got a, an award, uh, Australia Day award. A she senior, got an uh, order of a order, order of Australia. Australia. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yep. um, yeah. Which was great recognition for the work that she did. Um, when it first um, came out, I was living in Melbourne, and I actually did some volunteer work at the Positive Living Centre, mm -hmm. and I actually made inquiries about, well, where's the area that focuses on injecting drug users. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Support and care for HIV-infected injecting drug users. They can get HIV. There wasn't one. Well, yeah. there was nothing. No. no. No posters, no pamphlets, no information, no nothing. And I just kicked up until we got a room with the f one filing cabinet, but at least some information. Yeah. Because early on, um, injecting drug users who contracted HIV seemed to die very quickly. Absolutely, um, and they got ignored at a rate of knots too. They, you were right, Jeffrey. They did not get even acknowledged. And you know, politically speaking, and I'm talking about politics in the emotional sense of the words, personal politics of that area is often about people who can't stand the sight of a needle going into the skin for injecting drug users, yeah, that there were actually people in on the advisory committee of the Victorian AIDS Council who couldn't visualise, couldn't, would it would make them physically ill to see a needle going into the skin. So any any um, graphic depiction of an injecting drug user in action made them sick. So they couldn't sit and watch promotional stuff for anti-HIV. It's tricky to get the balance right. Yeah, the, so the politics of it was that personal. Yeah, it was, do you understand what, am yeah, I being I confused? Maybe they were, they were worried that they were glamorising. No, um, this actual one man couldn't stand the sight of a needle going into the vein, huh? into the skin, couldn't stand 
the vision of it. So okay. he had to walk out during, during an, an anti-HIV transmission thing. Yeah, since just watching a, a video that we'd made hmm. to stop transmission, safe injecting processes, couldn't watch it, physically wow. couldn't watch it. So it actually had a big impact on the inclusion of HIV for injecting drug transmission in injecting drug users. It was that, that simple. Right. One well, person had a... Australia a is still reaction. rightfully um, recognised globally for the um, brilliant way that that was handled. You know? Yes. Um, Australia it, it, is leading the way in a lot of things, but we are also falling behind on a, on a few things. Yeah, it's a mixed bag. And it is a mixed bag. We um, were talking about Canberra sort of leading the way with um, decriminalisation coming in October, mm -hmm. the can test, drug testing... Um, uh, what else have we had that's come in? Just a um, few other things that oh, look, the, slipped my mind. But uh, I mean, peer uh, education in a lot of areas is is actually innovative of itself, and yeah? and it it it, it, it maintains its innovative status because we turn around and go, oh, that's how we do it. How do we talk to injecting? How do we talk to the infected and affected communities? We do peer education and then it's kind of left until it's a surprise for the next blood-borne virus, yeah, which HIV, then to hepatitis C. This is the thing about most blood-borne viruses because they're viruses, they evolve, right? Like the mm. face of the epidemic has changed. Even HIV, oh, okay. as we were saying, has, yep. has changed. It's not just primarily related to men who have sex with men anymore. Heterosexual women are getting HIV as well. And it is the same with hepatitis B and hepatitis C. So we need to constantly be vigilant and keep an eye on on how these um, epidemics are, are changing and what's happening there. And yeah. you are right, Canberra is quite progressive and we've done quite a fair bit for, for harm reduction. Like hepatitis ACT can offer reach, teach, treat, teach, reach, teach treat, treat, thrive. Oh my goodness, quite a mouthful. Yeah. Um, we've been doing that on the radio yeah. for a while. We're getting very good at stumbling <laughs> over those words. Forget the last T, but yeah. I remember yeah. it or um, or point of care testing yeah. because of the support of ACT held. Um, otherwise, we would not have been able to afford um, point of care testing facilities for hepatitis C, right? Otherwise, people would still have to go to their doctor, get a referral to get a blood test and wait five days to know whether they have hepatitis C or not. someone to have eight goes at trying to find a vein in exactly. their arm. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so, so hepatitis ACT and a lot of our service users are very grateful. But what... What we are saying is, it's fantastic that you have helped us for two years, but we need sustained funding. Mm, we cannot have piecemeal <coughs> funding. It can't for, be project funding. It's got to be ongoing. Care. Exactly. Yeah. If we are to eliminate hepatitis C in Australia by 2030... We need that funding to go till 2030 yep. because, yep. as you, both of you know, it takes about a year for any project to even start properly. To for gain people traction, to know. Yeah. exactly. Yes. <laughs> Breakthrough, yeah. and yep. that is what we are seeing right now with point of care testing. We launched it last year yep. in September, October, and it, it's a slow. It it's, has been a slow burn, but it's karma knows. Yep. Karma knows, and hepatitis ACT knows that all of a sudden in the last three months we are being. We're drowning in people wanting to get tested, because which is beautiful. Because they finally beautiful. got the message. And, yes. and word of mouth has gone out. Well, people know it's quick. Pinprick 
to get blood instead Wonderful. of find a vein. It's exactly. so much easier. Yeah. So, so this is what we are saying. If Australia is to eliminate hepatitis C and hepatitis B by 2030, we've we got need, to stick to the task. We need to be focused yep. on it and just go right. There's no time to dilly dally. Let's go. Let's. No, it's not. It's not age group related. Yeah, it's not going to be this group of people. Are no, it's anyone who's got it for hepatitis C transmission. It's. Got, we've got to be getting the new groups coming through every year. It'll be a new bunch Absolutely. of people. They'll look different. There'll be a new phase of hepatitis C transmission, yes? 100%. Like, like I was saying, the epidemic keeps changing. It's a virus and people's lifestyles change. People do different yep. things. We don't even know what it will look like in five years, but we do know that if we continue to do the good work that our organisations are doing, talking about it, raising yep. awareness, harm minimization, testing, treatment, it, it can and definitely be changed. That's the way yes, it goes. Yes, we yeah. can't just go, oh, well, two years is done, so... Yeah, yeah we fix it. Yeah, thanks, yeah. <laughs> it's the same with HIV. We didn't fix it, yeah? Hepatitis C, we can cure. Yes. Yeah. That's the it's beauty of it, isn't it? Yeah, and great. if you get reinfected again, you can cure it again, again. and, That's again, right. and yeah. again and you don't have to stop using. You just change yeah. your lifestyle is not a prerequisite for, for having either drug checking, treated. for testing or for having treatment. No. Yes. And that's really important that our listeners understand that. And that is what we work on a lot as well with that's our right. service users because a lot of them um, come with the assumption that first it's like interferon. So yes. no, it's not yeah, like interferon. Not keen. <laughs> um, second, it's, it's not. It's really um, unfortunate, isn't it, that the history of interferon is so damaging <laughs> to the current treatments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the reputation. So many horror stories. It is awful. But that's yeah. why we're we're work we're we're working on creating this. We're not going to call them peer workers, but these peer educators, people who have had hep C, people who have gone through the DAA treatment, yep. who can then talk to their friends and family and go, I have done it. It is not as bad as interferon. It's nothing like interferon. Not, not I think that's close. really effective, yep. Sarah. Yes. Yeah. It, nothing beats hearing from... The stories. Yeah, yeah absolutely. From exactly. people who've used it, from people who've been through the treatment, come out the other side... And by golly, they're healthy again. Yeah. And their liver is behaving like a liver should. Yep. People liver have told me that they feel a lot more energetic. And they said, well, I used to think that I was always just tired. And it yeah. was because I was They old. didn't even know Brain they weren't fog. energetic. Yeah? Yes. That's how standard it had become amazing. in their lifestyle. But, but I have seen people who have started treatment. And I've seen the difference in them in, in a matter of three or four months where they come in and they're they're glowing, their hair looks better, they, they yep. sound chirpier and more energetic and I don't want to take all credit for it, but I think it's the DAAs that, yeah. that They're really extraordinary. Are. I think yeah. it's, it is without doubt the DAAs. <laughs> it's amazing that people don't understand that that's what can happen. Yes. You know, and because they haven't even fronted up, just to have the pinprick test, no more. You don't have to commit to anything more than that. It's not very difficult. Just have the test for yourself, yeah. not for anybody else, for well, the yourself. The other thing, Marion, is a lot of people might have used in their youth mm-hmm. and since then not have, even have thought forgotten about it. Yes. or, you know, yep. uh, but may have contracted a bloodborne virus back Absolutely. in their youth and yep. should check, yeah. go and get it checked. Look, I might play a song and we'll come back and talk further with um, Sarah. This Sounds is good. one of my favourite Iggy Pop songs. It's The Passenger. Iggy Pop. I 
That was Ziggy Pop and The Passenger. Welcome back to News from the Drug War Front with Jeff and Marion and our special guest, Sarah, Sarah, who's the Executive Director at Hepatitis ACT, and it's 29 minutes to noon on News from the Drug War Front. And, um, look, I printed off just some stats, but it was, it's actually <laughs> from 2021, Sarah. I didn't notice that when um, it was at the top of the Google search, but it, it said 325 million people globally mm-hmm. live with hepatitis. Would that be... Similar now? Yeah, or? fairly similar numbers. Um, uh, the, the really devastating fact is that um, about one person dies every 30 seconds in the world Whoa. from hepatitis-related complications. So um, the first time I had uh, heard that, I, I went, oh, my goodness. So in the last 30 seconds, someone else has passed away mm. from uh, a viral hepatitis-related complication. Like I mentioned, liver cancer is definitely the fastest gro- growing cause of cancer-related death in Australia. Okay. Um, well, that's something that I think we forget 
too yeah. is that one of the one of the tools for educating people about hepatitis C and its prevalence mm -hmm. and its impact is that I think in the originally we were talking about um, the percentage of people, like fifty percent of people that get hepatitis C go on to get liver cancer. The people that li would that be right still? Um, n no, not, I don't think it's like that 50 high. Fifty of fifty percent. <laughs> I can't remember the data that we were quoting in the beginning. So, of those who who don't clear the virus by themselves, or those who don't go on treatment, about twenty percent will go on to develop. Uh, yeah. liver cancer but you still have 20%, it's not okay. just liver cancer you have to worry about there is also still damage to your liver yes like liver cirrhosis scarring on your liver all of these things and the liver is a really important organ it does 500 different functions we've only got one two Absolutely. we two only amazing. have the one yeah. liver um, it is a great organ because it, it definitely repairs itself and it, it tries really hard to keep itself going you, yeah. you need you need your it's liver remarkable. and that's the beauty of the hepatitis yeah. C treatment isn't it that, yes. that the damage caused by hepatitis C is reversible if you, with the treatments if you get treated then yes And it, but, but same for hepatitis B there is no cure, sure. Yep. But if you if you get medication and you manage the, um, you live the, with it. You yeah. live with it. But you, if you live healthily with it and take your medication and and manage the hepatitis B, then the damage to your liver is going to be much reduced compared to if you didn't do anything about it. Okay. And there is always hope. Who would have thought that we would have DAAs for hepatitis C? So Indeed. who's to say you're not going to have treatment for hepatitis B in the next few years? Mm -hmm. And well, and look, the beauty of it is hepatitis. I contracted hepatitis B in 1976, so I. Yeah, I think. a couple of years later. So, but to think that hepatitis C became so prevalent and so, um, I guess, it frightened governments to the point where they were prepared to fund uh, drugs and, you know, research into the drugs that might um, impact. So we've got a cure for hepatitis mm -hmm. C now. Who would have thought that would have happened? Well, especially when it was non-A, non-B. It wasn't well, even yes, called it. Well, yes, it was C. like one of those, yeah. yeah. So what if it's non-A, non-B, what is it yeah. then? <laughs> 1999 it, it took C. us to figure out, wasn't it? 1999? Yeah. <laughs> so just before the turn of the century. And then we suddenly discover that there is a name for it. Well, C, hepatitis C, that's almost a name. Um, alphabet soup, I think it was called in the beginning. The beginning of all hepatitises is somewhere in that alphabet soup. It's got to be one of them. But the beauty is that hepatitis C is curable. So what else can happen if we just research it? If it be, the impact of it is so mm -hmm. devastating that it frightens us as to what it's going to do with pregnant women, with their children, with the wider community, because that's what it comes down to. Much as we'd like to educate and look like we're educating illicit drug users, it's actually for the benefit of the wider community. You're absolutely right, though. So just think about a person who has liver cancer, right? It's not just them who has liver cancer. Their families. Yeah suffer yes. their friends suffer yeah. they 
if you go right through the point. public health system, then you're burdening the he- the health system. Totally, you're right to get treated. I'm not saying don't get treated, but, yeah, but it, it's all preventable. Yeah. It's all preventable, though. So when you cure yourself of hepatitis C, or if you go on medication to manage your hepatitis B, you are not doing just for yourself. You're doing it for Everybody your friends and family. Yeah. getting it, too. and you're doing yeah. it for the public health system. Um, and your role in the family, your role as a human being changes hugely mm-hmm. because the impact of hepatitis C on a woman or just a man mm-hmm. impacts their capacity to work, their capacity to be parents. 100%. Whatever, you know, whatever roles they perform in the community is impacted by the hepatitis C. So that's where you're... Yeah. Yeah, it's not just you, it's the rest of the world but and it what you do in it. also affects you because when you take control of your health, it gives you that sense of achievement where you go, I'm not just going to sit here and feel bad for myself and not do anything. I'm going to take control. Yeah. Um, I've seen this that's in so empowering. many people yeah. where they go, you know what? I took control of my hepatitis C and I went on treatment and I got treated. So now I'm going to get all of my friends and family um, educated. It is the most beautiful thing when you see someone feel empowered and then they start advocating for themselves in other avenues of their life. And it's like, yes, you've always had this in you. What do we call it? Agency. Having agency over your own life. And this is, we constantly get new pamphlets and projects encouraging drug users to take to have agency over their own lives, yeah. Yeah, to be able to control and impact the health and the and to maintain that agency over yourself. When you have control over what's happening to you, mm-hmm. you are so much more, so much more of a human being with muscles, yeah, with a bit of oomph, and it's just <laughs> I like that gives you the capacity to kind of say to people. Look what I did for me. Mm-hmm. I and did then, this for me. And it, you know what? You don't even realize it, but it's going to help you as well yeah. because I'm not going to end up with liver I'm cancer. Not, I'm yeah. not going it's to really be an important. asshole to you either. Yeah. Because I, you don't know how. I haven't been able to come out and play football with you. I haven't been able to come out and just be part of the community with you because I just haven't felt like it. Mm-hmm. Just haven't had the energy to do it, and that's really important. Yeah, but also like the burden lifting off your shoulders, yes. where you're not worried that you're going to give it to someone else. And or, as a yeah. woman in particular, yeah, don't have that feeling that you are not giving as much as you should be able to, as a parent or as a sister or as an auntie or as a it's huge grandmother, secure. whatever yeah. it is, it's enormous. Yeah, I was going to ask a follow-up question about um, Hep B. Um, vaccine. There's gamma globulin for health workers. Is is that right? Or they are. Everyone is expected to get vaccinated for bloodborne viruses, and, and that's paid for by the government. Your employer okay. should should do that for you. Um, if not, contact hepatitis ACT, and we'll organise. Um, for you to get B vaccines. That's okay. as a health but worker or just as a, a community member? Community members as well. Okay. Hepatitis ACT will look after you. Um, right. But um, emergency responders, emergency workers are expected to get yep. vaccinated against HEP B anyway. It's part, so yeah, it's part of their, I don't know, pre-employment health, Pre-requisite, whatever. Yeah. Thing. yeah. yeah. Um, but people who have not been vaccinated for Hep B or if you think you don't have immunity, contact us. We'll help you out. If we can't help you, then we'll find a way to figure it out for you. So what yeah. do you see as the next most important action to 
reach the 2030 target of elimination because <laughs> that's, that's a big goal. Um, um, it is. It, it, it is such a huge goal. And uh, we are not reaching, Australia as a country, are not reaching any of our goals for Hep B or Hep C oh, really? at the moment. So, so don't be smug. D- we cannot be smart. One of our problems is when we get to a level, that's why the government says we've done two years of that. Let we, It's project funding, not program funding. Mm-hmm. The difference, you need to keep the program going, not keep it as a project, which is short-term money. It, it, can, Management. it, can, it can be done, though, Marianne, because yes. I've seen how closely the community rallies together and the organisations. We all work so well together. You also have support from the liver clinic. Like, everyone works together. You just yeah. need that little bit of oomph, that little bit of That's support right. and funding yeah. um, so that we can hire more peer workers to do this and work for us. And a room to connect people in. Exactly. That's really just often a location that's important. Yes. Find a place where you can all meet, mm-hmm. collaborate on the work that you need to do together. It's that easy. But also even the ability to hire a room where you are. Like we want to, yep. hepatitis ACT, we want to be where you are. Yep. We don't expect you to come all the way to Turner because that's not possible for everyone else. It's a yeah. privilege to be able to go from the city to Turner, right? And we understand that. So that's why we are trying to go to you. But those things need Well, you're resources. the only service in that part of Canberra. Really? Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But we are trying to go to you. So we've started recently going to the early morning centre where yep. we oh, where okay. we do point of That's care testing. Good. We we do do point of care tests there because we are trying as much as possible to go to you. But these things require, and I feel like I'm I'm that person who's always In banging on the ball, going, <laughs> "We need money to do yeah. this." Yeah. Um, but that's it, what it is. It is standard. It requires funding, mm-hmm. ongoing funding. It's not a not a big ask. It's no. but it's a regular ask. It is a regular ask, <laughs> and that's because it's not. It, you have to regularly ask, otherwise people assume it's over. It's like having COVID. <laughs> it's not over. Pandemics don't get over. No. Yeah? Over they just doesn't change. happen. Yeah. They just and after change. all these years, harm reduction still only gets 2% of yeah. the overall funding. Oh, my goodness, know? yes. So it's... We're doing a lot with very little. And I think um, Chris Goff, the executive director of Karma, said this, where he said... Um, Hepatitis C is the poor cousin of the BBVs, of HIV. Yeah. Ah, um, but hepatitis B is the even poorer cousin or in the BBV family oh, because right. it's the, the... Interesting. Yeah, he well, said it and it has stayed with it, yeah. me. Um, and, I, and I always, I've, I, I always think about him. that. I quote him because <laughs> I go, he is so right. I think he is right. Look, I remember back when I was doing volunteer work in the early days and I was amazed... Um, when uh, Jeff Kennett, the Liberal, quite austere mm. Liberal Premier in Victoria, was cutting community groups quite savagely, mm-hmm. the Victorian AIDS Council Gay Men's Health Centre got a massive funding increase. And there was also. Victorian all sorts AIDS of, Council did. Yeah, Victorian AIDS Council Gay Men's Health Centre got a yeah. massive increase in funding. And at the current time, I think the funding is out of whack with the numbers. Right and, now, Jeff. Yeah. yeah. And, and the. You know the need for that amount of investment. Yeah, I mean it's great. That it's pe- about having the lobbying in the right place. Well, at the time that decisions are made. Yeah, remember this has to happen at the same. T- when you're talking about bloodborne viruses, somebody has to be there 
to say, remember injecting drug users or remember peer education and how important that is. Maintain that project funding. If you don't have somebody there to nudge them or to maybe do blood scratch pinprick testing at the meeting site. You know, it's about time. It's about location. It's about... It's getting that opportunity. But honestly, Jeff, um, HIV is a huge success story in Australia. It is an absolute success story. Magnificent. And I sit here and I go, if we can do that for HIV, we can definitely do this for Hep C and Hep B. Which is curable. It is curable. And HIV is not curable. The beauty of hepatitis C is that it can be cured if only Mm. we can contact the people that need to be. I, I look at HIV and I go, that... That is something to um, be inspired by. And if we can just replicate that, then we, we can manage this. And I'm not asking for uh, uh, unlimited amounts of resources for the rest of time. It's still 2030. Yes. I mean, it's manageable. You can it's do only it for seven years away. Seven years. Six yep. and a half even, Marion. Yep. yep. So, um, and it cures that particular virus. Where and it's, that's the beauty of it. And I think this needs to be reinforced whenever we're talking about it, doesn't it? Is that it's curable. Mm. But it doesn't mean that it's over. There's oh, going no. to be new cohorts of people. Absolutely. New injectors, new needle sharers. You know, we have a thing that we were going to do, an article on prisons. We still... It's a huge issue. Well, that's mm-hmm. prisons we haven't been able to risk. impact. Oh, it's really important, but it's doable mm-hmm. if only we get the right there, funding and the commitment. There is hope. So the new yep. draft national strategies came out for hepatitis B and hepatitis C, right. and they, I'm very, very impressed. I was so pleased to see the language change. It was a more holistic person-centered harm reduction sort of focus instead of that cascade of care sort of thing. But they specifically said that needle syringe programs in prisons would be crucial. Mm, And it was so good to to see see that that put out in writing. But also Mm. they acknowledged the work of community organizations like all the harm reduction organizations. They mentioned the specialist hepatitis organizations explicitly stated it. So... The world is changing. The policy landscape is changing. What they didn't mention was how they were well, going to help us implement all of these things. I'm and really how encouraged by what you had to say, but I'm still scarred by um, <laughs> my experiences going out to the AMC when Katie Gallagher was still Chief Minister and went to an election with a policy of NSP in the jails. Uh-huh. I think a lot of people are still uh, traumatised by it. Well, correct yeah. by that. I don't think correction staff took the evidence seriously. No. I think it was no all the way. You could have walked on water and it was still going to be no. Jeffrey, mm-hmm. um, how long did we talk, sit here and talk about what a human rights compliant prison looked like? Mm. And, I mean, didn't we sit here and say week after week, what does it look like? Well, I've never seen had, it defined in writing. Huh? Well, we're supposed to have one. AMC is meant to be human rights compliant, but well, I don't know what fan. that means. Well, <laughs> we don't know what it looks like. Yeah. No, no, look, um. There are NSPs in jails in a lot of countries around mm-hmm. the world and in some countries I've even heard where there was suggestions of removing the NSP that the correction staff arked up and said, no, 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 don't, we, yeah. don't. We, need it. we feel safer with mm-hmm. it here. Isn't that crazy? And look, most people who are incarcerated are for a, not a huge length of time. They return to their family, their wife, their lover, mm-hmm. their, whatever, and they're put in 
them at risk. Yeah. Um, yes. Because the, you know, cut-downs and, you know, uh, improvised injecting equipment that you actually rolled it's it out horrifying. and showed it yeah. to us when we did Oh, the- we can all sit here and pretend that no one uses injecting, no one injects drugs in prisons and there is oh, no tattooing in the prisons, but it's bullshit and we all know it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, we can all sit here and we go, oh, no, there is no in- unsafe injecting practices or unsafe. Not on this radio show. No, and I would we say don't. this in anywhere where I would go, you can, you can only pretend, but hepatitis ACT, we go to the prisons every week. We go there every Friday. One of our educators goes there and talks about hepatitis we talk to people What's on the ground the feeling out there is it is it a bit more encouraging in terms of no in the jail okay. <laughs> in short no i'm not surprised they but know. but we get we've gotten to know the people who live at amc and when you see a new tattoo on them of course they didn't pop out on a friday night to get a tattoo in the city no. it was done it was done in yes. house yeah. and it, it's so frustrating but look i'm very um encouraged by the new policy wording. All I'm saying is that World Hepatitis Organi- World Health Organization has said that we must eliminate hepatitis B and hepatitis C by 2030. Um, the Australian government has signed on. I'm all for that. ACT Health has signed on. So let's get it done. Let's get it yeah. done. Let's get it done. All right, I'll just play a quick little song. This is actually one of my all-time favourites of uh, Bill Withers. It's uh, Ain't No Sunshine. Oh, I love this song. Yeah, yeah it's, it's gorgeous. It, well, it's a real ode to... A woman, a love for a woman. For me, I just think it's beautiful. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone It's not warm when she's away Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And she's always gone too long Anytime she goes away Wonder this time where she's gone Wonder if she's gone to stay Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And this house just ain't no home Anytime she goes away And I know, I know, I know, I know Sunshine when she's gone Only darkness every day Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And she's house just ain't no Oh, the beautiful Ain't No Sunshine That's by Bill Withers. song, isn't it? Oh, it's magnificent. It's one of my favourites. Yep. Okay, we're coming towards the end of this week's show. Um, 
Sarah, uh, World Hepatitis Day is the Friday, 28th of July. That's correct. So the whole week is an opportunity for... Well, we're taking... We'll be using the whole month of July as an opportunity to talk more about hepatitis because, well, that's all we do. But for... (laughs) That's our job. (laughs) It's our job. Um, But this month we are going to be visiting a lot of community pharmacies. Um, Like today... Um, Karine and Smriti from the team are at Erindale Pharmacy talking to people about hepatitis B, hepatitis C, point of care testing, the new treatment, vaccines for hepatitis B, all the fun stuff. Um, What sort of reception do they tend to get? Just um, generally. (laughs) Actually really positive. People are interested. I think a lot of it has to do with the language as well. We're not making it sound as something scary and horrible. And I think COVID has made life a lot easier when we talk about viruses. Not many people are as freaked out when you say, oh, it's a virus that affects your liver. (laughs) It's the language that goes around with how we talk about hepatitis B or hepatitis C. But mostly people are interested. Oh, that's encouraging. Doing scratch testing with it or no? No, no, no. We just do point of care tests. No, no, I mean at at the pharmacies when... As you're doing your education? No, no. Okay. no. But we, we can organise that. So the first step is to start talking to people about it. And yeah. then the hope is that once we talk to people about it and we, we kind of gauge how interested they might be, that is something that we are hoping to do. We're talking to a few pharmacies about doing point-of-care testing oh, there. Yeah. Um, well, pharmacies are really important. I, mean, I, think, well, I just think it's a great resource, isn't mm-hmm. it, in terms of... Not having to pay for a shop front. <laughs> no. They've got a shop front that you're going into. Yes. Seems like a wonderful opportunity to Absolutely. say, okay, we've, we've done this education largely on the pharmacist because that's what you – if they're not comfortable with having you in the shop, then they're not going to have be comfortable with you doing scratch testing. But once they are comfortable with you being there, the opportunity is – most community pharmacies have been very, very yeah. um, receptive. That's good. The people who are there have been very receptive. So Excellent. we're doing that for all of July. And then for um, the 28th of July, the week of World Hepatitis Day, uh, we're going to light up a um, monument in Canberra Green. Cool. So because green is the color of the No Hepatitis Alliance, it's the color of life and vitality yep. and and hope. So and the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. For well, it yeah. is the Raiders and and no, not the Brumbies, but certainly the Raiders. Yeah. It just it's kind of that lime green that actually. Yeah. Can, it's I'm that thinking green. of if it's, it's that, that green, green. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah the but football team too. But <laughs> it's mostly an acknowledgement of people who have been affected by viral hepatitis and yep. for people who are living with viral hepatitis so so that we can get the conversation going when you see a building lit up green you go why what's what's with the green everywhere uh, tracks the eye. Yeah. yeah so this year we thought we'd make a competition out of it and so we are telling um, everyone if you see a building lit up green take a photo post it on your social media wow. and tag us in to get that conversation Great. happening That's clever. and then we'll put everyone in a draw and see what you win Cool. Oh, yeah, there's, I think there's some. There, I think there's a few hundred dollar gift cards in there actually. That's so, great. Yeah, that always helps. Yeah. And it, you know, it's just we're trying to remove all of the the fear and hysteria around hepatitis and just talking to Takes about it, like yeah. everything else, like COVID. Like, oh, you got COVID. Okay, great. Yeah. And we want it to be like that, where you go, oh, you had Hep C. How did the treatment go? Cool. Let's move on. Yeah. Look, I think we've got a bit complacent with COVID. You know. We do. We went from, you know, huge amounts of lockdowns and public mm. brief, daily briefings to um, ah, back to normal, everything's fine, and yet 
It's over. Yeah. Yeah. Thou- it's hundreds of thousands of people long COVID, which is yes. sort of like chronic fatigue syndrome, which mm-hmm. I, 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 a close yeah. friend of mine know a lot about. Has long COVID and it has it's been horrible. detrimental. Yeah. But what I meant by that was I, I wanted to be like as just as there's no stigma and hysteria around someone who has COVID, yeah. we want people to go, oh yeah, you That's had Hep C. Really Okay, cool. So how was treatment? Fantastic. Let's yeah. move on. Let's not make a big deal out of this. Well, that's, then that, that's, that's a, a really point. big point too when you come back to looking after yourself. Mm-hmm. When you have long COVID, that's what you have to do is look after yourself. Yes. Hepatitis C, same thing. Mm-hmm. But when you're over it, you'll feel over it. And that's the beauty of the treatments for yeah. hepatitis C is not only do... Not only are you physically over it, but you psychologically... And your own physical well-being is so different. Yeah. And we've heard that time. We hear that time and again from people who've had hepatitis C and done the treatment. They feel so much different. Mm-hmm. Their bodies are different, and their well-being is different. And that's lovely. Yeah. Oh well. Thank you very much for coming in, Sarah. It's great to um, get updated about. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, no pleasure. And the importance of uh, July and. July twenty eighth, especially, and all the events that are happening, and the more more we can get the message out, and you know, that's the hope. Yeah, that's we'll continue to do that. The hope is to make ourselves redundant by twenty thirty, be out of jobs. Yeah, (laughs) that sounds funny, but yeah, that when I first started working in drug and alcohol, I said, "Isn't that what we should be doing? Is Mm. working to make our jobs non-existent?" Yeah, I thought I'd leave to see the end of prohibition, but. That was yeah. wishful thinking. Pigs will fly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll leave you with a bit of our theme song. Uh, as ever, the Stranglers and Golden Brown. Take care, everyone. Yeah, look Thank after you again, yourselves. Sarah. We Thank love you. you. Thank you Thank for you having me. Sarah. Appreciate you coming in. Bye, everyone. Back again next week. Bye, Jeffrey. Bye. like sun lays me down with my mind she runs throughout the night no need to fight never a frown with golden brown every time just like the last on her ship tied to the mast two distant lands takes both my hands Never a frown with golden brown Golden brown, fine attemptress Through the ages she's heading west From far away, stays for a day Never a frown 